Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. All right. Well, welcome back to Pineview News Bible Study again. Two weeks in a row, guys. I'm proud of you guys, especially everybody who made it to both weeks. <laughs> I got to be here. I might as well expect some people to show up, right? <laughs> but I was excited about last week. Anybody have any input on last week? That's the one thing I think me and my wife talked about. I was going to make you guys talk a little more. So I hope you're prepared to speak a little bit. But what was your guys' thoughts? Anybody learn anything last Sunday? That's what I do. That's what you do. I open my mouth so big that you've got to go back and research everything I just said. <laughs> that's what we want. That's what, that's what it takes. Study to show yourself approved. So, yes. What'd you say? See, you guys think I'm so glad I asked that question. Good, you guys, so you guys are, are reaffirming that I'm on the right path and I'm doing the right thing. That's that's what it should be. Especially if we're going to grow, we're going to learn new things. Like, and I don't want you guys just to take my word for it. Like, I, I want you guys to prove what what you're going to say, what you're going to think. Because people are going to ask you questions in life, and if, if you're going to, you can't say, "Hey, this one time, this guy Dan used to come to our church. He told me good." If that's how you get yourself in trouble, I've done that. I've gone off things that other people have told me, and I've said it to other people and caused more confusion. Only to come back later and be like, that's not what the Bible's talking about. So it's good. It's good that we're provoking. And I'm glad that you guys are actually looking into it. Yeah. It's good. And it's not just, I'm not just telling you guys these things just for controversial sake. Right? But we, we're on a mission. We're, we're going somewhere. With these Bible studies, we've got, we've got, I've got some things in store that are going to come out. And in order for us to get there, then we've got to we've got to take a look at what the Bible actually says. So we're gonna we did that last week. We're gonna do that this week, and it's gonna be great. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will begin. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow Your Word to flow in this place, God. Open our hearts that we will accept Your Word, God, and put a desire in us to go back and prove the truths of Your Word, God. We worship you, we thank you, and in Jesus' name, friends, amen. So, I barely got through one chapter of the Bible. <laughs> you guys are like, man, these Bible studies are going to take a long time. We're going to cover one chapter of Bible study. <laughs> in the end, we will have gone through the whole Bible. <laughs> no, there are going to be some places that we skip. So we're going to skip through, we're going to, we're going to hit some, some of the important stuff, and we're going to talk about some of the stuff we skipped. But, you know, if, when you think about it from Moses' point of view, like, Moses is who wrote this. We're, we're reading from the Torah. We're beginning the Torah. And this is Moses writing under the inspiration of the Holy 
Ghost, relaying the messages that he's been handed down to generations. Me and Nan were uh, talking last week about this, and we were talking about the timelines in the Bible and how the Bible tells you in like certain ages when things happen. I've had several conversations with Christians over the years who will be like, oh yeah, I believe in the Bible, but I also believe the earth is billions of years old. And I'm like, that's kind of a hard thing to fall into because the Bible is very specific on timelines. It's very specific on when people lived, how long they lived, when they had kids, when they died. So I brought this. I started bringing this with me just so people can kind of get an understanding of that. And I'll pass this around so you guys can check it out while I talk. So if I get boring, I'll give you guys something to do. <laughs> but this here is a timeline of the Bible. So this, they break down a whole timeline of the Bible. Now these guys, I'm going to tell you what, if you're not a big Bible study guy, but you want to teach Bible studies, check some of these out. These are Rose Publishing. You know I'm advertising them now. They're actually hanging me for this ad right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish. No, I'm not getting paid for this. But it's good stuff, so I want you guys to see it. But Rose Publishing, they, they've got a thousand little pamphlets like this. I've got a bunch of them. But they're amazing. They're quick. You know, this is this is the whole pamphlet. I'm going to pass it around so you guys can check it out. But uh, it's real quick. It's to the point. But it's truthful. I've been looking through them. I study them with my Bible. And they're precise. But uh, that one gives us the breakdown of the timelines of the Bible. And me and Ann were looking at it. We were discussing how from Adam to Moses... You've only got like three generations. As long, even though that covers a long period of time because people live 900 years. But Noah's grandchildren, you know, his, his grandson was still on the earth and able to talk to Abraham, which Abraham's descendants were right on the earth and able to talk to Moses. So even though we're talking about a span of like 1,500, 2,000 years, let's do that. 2,000 years, there's there's not a lot of gap there. So, today's day, when people are, you know, our life expectancy is getting shorter by the minute. <laughs> After God put his foot down in the Bible and said, no longer am I going to deal with man for longer than 120 years. Well, we're going to get to that scripture. There, things change. So, nowadays, we're not living to 900 years. So, for me to imagine, you know, something 1,500 years ago, we're like, wow, that's that's a loss of time. But when you live 900 years, it's not that big of a loss, you know? And, and that's where we see in the Bible that Moses, that's why he is so accurate in what he writes. It's because he's not just, this wasn't just something that, you know, a fragmented story that was, they played the telephone game for 20 years, well, 20 generations until it finally got to him. That's not what we were dealing with here. We were dealing with me telling my son and, and him telling you know his friend and then them getting it from them. So it's not it's not like this was a long handed down process. This is like a very close generational gap here where these this information comes from. Now also we know that the word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So Moses is writing this under the Lord's direction. And <clears throat> Moses is a pretty big dude in the Bible. 
<laughs> you're reading a little bit of this spot where you're going to realize Moses is kind of a big deal. Like when we get to shirt, I, or when we get to heaven, I picture Moses like sitting there in a shirt just like kind of a big deal. <laughs> He'd be sitting there like, yeah, guys, yeah, I helped this, you know? <laughs> because he is in the Bible, he's a big deal. And, it, and it's just, when he writes this, he's, he's not doing it lightly. Like he's, he's taking this seriously. This was a man who saw God from behind in his face. Like he did, God allowed him to see behind the veil. And that's where we get all of this wonderful information about the Bible. Now, would it have been hard for Moses to write, by the way, God used evolution? It would have been very easy for God to have done that. That God could have wrote anything in his word that he wanted to. So when we see these words in his word, they are specifically picked out for a reason. He didn't accidentally put them there. It wasn't a mistake. And I said last week, and, I, and this is, uh, it's a quote. I'm using it from uh, a good Bible, Bible study that I listened to on the side. And I always forget his name, too. Derek Prince and the other guy that I love that I always forget. But he always says, he always says, anytime you find an error in the Bible, it's just an opportunity to study. Because it may seem like it's not right, but the more you study and the more you break it down, the more you'll realize how there's something like very big behind that mistake. And it, and it usually goes that way to the Bible. So, God used these words for a reason. So, let's get into the Word of God. I've got to get through it. At least one chapter today. <laughs> and we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 4. <laughs> Today's Bible study is going to be entitled Adam and the Kingdom. We, we, we talked about Kingdom beginning last week. We talked about how it all kicked off and we got to see Jesus in the Old Testament. We got to see God with his heavenly host. And we got to see a little bit of God in his kingdom and how he deals with his kingdom as a king. We got to see that he's a God who puts people in places of power. He's a God who puts people to reign over things in his kingdom. He does not have to have his hands on every situation or He's very good. He's not a tyrant. He's a loving God. He's very open. He allows people to be in the places where, where he stands, which is amazing. And sometimes it causes trouble, which is why Lucifer fell. Because he stood in the place of God and thought he could be God. We don't want to make that mistake. <laughs> so that's why God leaves plenty of thorns on our side <laughs> to remind us we're not him. But, it, but it's amazing. We're, we're seeing those glimpses of God's character, how he is, who he is, which is good to know. We, we've talked a lot in the past couple of weeks about why bad things happen. And if God's so good, why do bad things happen? If you don't understand this concept, then you will pin a lot of things that go wrong in your life on God. Because, well, he's ruler of the universe. He's over all this. Why did he let that happen? Why did he let my goldfish die? But when you realize that he's, he's not running this world, but he's put people in charge to run this world, then I can kind of justify some of the problems that are going on on this earth. For one, he put man in charge of the world. Now, that was a problem. 
<laughs> Any woman who's got a man running their house right now will agree. <laughs> Any godly women, I should say. <laughs> but no, because man is flawed. That is, that is, that is a fundamental problem in, in this world, is that we're flawed. We have sin, we make mistakes, we all do. And, but God still chose to put us over this world. Same thing in the spiritual realm. God chose heavenly power, high power, heavenly places. He chose these high powers in heavenly places to rule over the universe. So, does that mean that things don't always go the way God wants it to go in the spiritual realm? I, we talked a lot about this in the, that God is so faithful and he has so much hope and love in us that he expects and hopes that we make the right decisions. But it doesn't always go that way. Even when he created Lucifer, I, I, don't, I know God didn't just say, well, he's going to mess up, but I'm going to make him anyways. This is going to make everything fun. No, but it was, it was a hope that, you know, maybe he won't cross that line. Maybe he won't. We do the same thing with our kids. I draw lines with my kids, and they run right past me. <laughs> but I do it in a heart. <laughs> right. But I do it because I hope and I love them, and I want to see them succeed. I'm not going to never buy my kid a car because, boy, you're probably going to crash it one day. He, he's probably going to crash a car. But I'm still going to buy him one, and I'm going to hope and pray that he makes the right decisions and he doesn't wreck it. And that's exactly how our God is. But you're not having that relationship if it's not that way. The biggest thing that God did that was wild is way back in the beginning when he created free will. He knew what kind of a mess this would cause. He knew, like, if I give him free will, and can you imagine being God and being like, I give this guy free will, or I can just literally lower the world and just not let them make any decisions. It'll be beautiful, but it's not interactive. And, and I really don't get to see your heart. I really don't get to know you as an individual. Because you're not an individual, you're a robot doing everything I want you to do. So once God decided, like, I could imagine him up there, like, having this thought, this brainstorm, like, you really want to do free will. But in the end, he, he chose. And that shows a little bit of God's character as well. But here, so we got past all of the heavenly hosts and creating things in his image. And now we're about to see. The, the introduction of man. This is where God is finally creating our beginning. So, when the Lord made the heavens and the earth, neither wild plants nor grains grew on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the whole land. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Now, this is what we talked about last week, and, you know, it was fun, Brother, uh, Brother Paley was talking to us today about this, about this concept as well, we'll read the three areas of a man. The Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. So here we have a body. God, before he did anything else, there was a body. So there's a body laying on the ground. It's not, it's not alive, it's not doing anything, but it's a body. That's the first part of who we are as a human being. We have a body. Everybody has a body. Now, then the Lord breathed the breath of life into the man's nostril. What is the breath of life? 
spirit. Breath and spirit in Hebrew, that foreign language, correlate them the same. God is called breath of life. We call Jesus the bread of life. So Jesus is life. All things were created through him. And the comforter is a spirit, a breath that goes into us that fills us with his Holy Spirit and we become one with God. So here, God breathes the breath of life into the man's nostrils. Now this, this, this is very important. I've been realizing the significance of this. We always say, God, you know, let your Holy Spirit fall in this place. Let, let, let fill this person with the Holy Ghost. But after studying this and doing some study and research into the Holy Ghost, the breath of God, the more I started realizing that, like, this is this is this is a breath of God. Like, if God breathes into this person right now, they're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost because that's what breathing is. That's what God's breath causes. Which is wild when you think about him speaking in the universe, like the light and him spreading his breath over the land. Like it's powerful. But so we have man formed from the dust on the ground, a body. He gets breathed into. He has a spirit. Now he has a spirit. Then it says, and the man became a living being. Or in some pagan versions, there it actually says, soul. Man became a living soul. So here we see what they're talking about in Thessalonians when it says, I want you in your whole body, spirit, and soul to, to be one with Christ. That's given an example of who we are as human beings. So we are created like God, three parts making up one person. An everlasting soul, which we would say is God. For getting, for getting uh, dizzy, Trinitarian, <laughs> we would say that that is God, but it's a soul. It's an everlasting, ever-going soul, and God is an everlasting being, Alpha and Omega. But then we have a body. God had a body. Now Jesus had a body in the Old Testament. We're going we're to really see pictures of this throughout the Bible. Now, what was his body like back then? It's going to be a lot like the body that he's coming back in. Because he says to his father, I'm going to be with you like I was in the beginning. And I'm, I'm going to come back for my people. So after Christ's death, his body, he returned to the similar form that he was in the beginning. And what is his body? I'm actually putting together a sermon later in this year that I'm going to bring this out. And it's called Glorified Redeemer. And I'm going to talk about how he was in the beginning. He was a glorified redeemer, even in the beginning of time. And how he's coming back. And how it's similar. So the God that we see in the Old Testament. And we're like, wow, it's powerful. It's judgment. That's what's coming back. That's what we get to see. And when he returns in the clouds, he's going to be that same God of the Old Testament. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he's going to be in that glorified redeemer form. Which is incredible. He walked in front of Moses, and Moses seen him. You know, he walks with them in the garden. We're going to see that in a minute. He wrestled with Jacob. He was in the burning bush, but he was watching Moses approach it from the outside. We're going to see this continually throughout the Bible. We're going to see Jesus throughout this entire Bible because he's one. 
And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go as we as we continue here. Then the Lord planted a garden in the Eden in the east, and there he placed man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch was called the Pasan, followed, flowed down the entire land of Vela, where gold is found. We don't need to know a lot of this here. There's, there's water. We get that. There's tigers, there's Euphrates, there's all this. Then the Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. So what was man's first job given to him by his king? Anybody? To tend the garden. Nope, that was man's goal. He was placed in the garden to take care of the garden. Easy life. <laughs> you know, that, that's a very good point there. Because if you, if, when you look at it like this, Satan was able to cause contempt in the most beautiful, perfect place on earth. They're in the garden. Everything's perfect. And Satan is so sly that he's able to wiggle his way in and go, really? And we see that still today. We, we had a lady who came into this church. Her eyes were open. Blind eyes. Blind. White. Ray Charles, the river. Like, you could tell she was blind. It wasn't like a, I don't know if that person was really blind. They were blind. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is Ray Charles not blind or something? <laughs> but she came up front and got prayed for, and her eyes literally turned to blue. And she started seeing it again. And then we didn't see her back in this church again. Now, I did find out that Katie reached out to her not too long ago. So I was excited to be yes. Because in my mind, I'm like, how do you, how do you get healed and then I go back? But that's exactly where we need to be. We need to be on guard in our lives. Because here, Adam and Eve are in paradise. Everything perfect. They weren't dealing with sickness. They weren't dealing with coronavirus. They weren't dealing with any of this stuff. They had everything made. They had the tree of life sitting there feeding them. All this going on, but somehow the devil sneaks in and makes them think that maybe this is not that good. Maybe this could be better. He does it all the time in people's lives. You watch ministers who have amazing ministries. They're they're reaching thousands of people, like, and they're doing great things. And then all of a sudden they cheat on their wife, and they and they move on. They move to a different woman, and you're like, what just happened there? Like. Wasn't that the life was amazing, but the devil creeped in right in the middle of that whole paradise, and he created contempt. So, but we do see here that God's number one thing that He gave man to do was to watch over and govern the earth. So that's our job. Now, God's going to burn this one, but that doesn't mean that I should go out and just dump oil in the drain ditch and be like, ah, ah, ah. you know, that's not the point. My there's something eternally inside me that God made us to watch over and care for this earth. So the Lord warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except for the tree 
of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. It's not right for man to be alone. This is, this is a really cool characteristic of God. Why did God decide that it was not good for man to be alone? Anybody got an answer for that? Come on, Brad. Isn't that what God just went through? God just went through that. That, that is an amazing thing about God, is that he, he gives us and he does for us what he knows is best. He knew it wasn't good for him to be alone. He was like, guys, I don't want to be alone. So he created heavenly beings and he created angels and he created these hosts and he created the earth and he created all these things so that he wouldn't be alone and then he makes man goes, you know what? I'm not going to do to him what I just realized wasn't good for me. So he creates, so he understands that concept. That's a really cool thing about God. Even in our lives, like, from a man's point of view, like, we're the head of the house. But I also have to be like Christ. So I, I have to lead my family. I have to expect things from my wife. I have to hold her accountable for things. Because the Bible says I'm going to be judged by what my family does. So I gotta make sure my family is in order. But at the same time, I can't expect anything from her that I'm not willing to do for God. It doesn't work out that way. I can't expect Candace to submit and obey me if I'm not submitting and obeying God. Thank you, thank you. I love the encouragement right there. <laughs> but it's true. It's very true, and I'm big on myself on that. It's not fair for me to hold her to some level that I'm not in. If I'm not able to, to, to please God the way that I want to, then how can I expect her to? But God's the same way in, in, in his life with us. He's not, he, he does that. Why? Like, he came down to this earth and died. Like, we're not going to be able to look at Jesus and go, you don't understand. He's like, oh, really? Yes, I do understand. I've actually been there. I've been there and experienced it. I understand more than you believe even on the cross, he became all sin. He wanted to understand what he was dealing with. What am I really forgiven? And it's the same thing in our life. And God has a way of, of, of passing this down. And we have to be like Christ. We have to continue in God's footsteps here. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each of them. And he gave Names to all the livestock and all the birds in the sky and the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. <laughs> so, Adam names all the animals. Adam's doing all of this in God's kingdom. God's standing there above him going on. It's just so, this reminds me of everything that God expects out of us today in his kingdom. It's the same thing he expected out of that. Where to run this kingdom? 
I should be naming things, moving things, making sure his kingdom in order. I can't just sit back. Adam didn't just sit back and go, okay, God, you name this one. I'm tired. You know what I mean? I don't know what to name this one. You fill it. No, it was Adam's responsibility to take care of these things. And it's still going to be in our lives today. God doesn't just come down here and fix all of our problems. He expects us to fix our problems. He gave us his authority. If I see someone sick in the hospital, I can do a couple of different things. I can not care at all. Or, hey, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. Or, I can put my hands on them. And I can let God's power flow through my body and heal them. And that's where God wants all of us to get to. Where we stop being this crippled Christian and we start being a vibrant Christian who says, hey, you know what? I'm not expecting God to answer my problem, my prayers. I'm going to help God solve these problems. That's what God wants. That's why he put us on this earth to do his will. So, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, Now this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Now, I find this to be very amazing. We always, you know, we always like to get into the man's the head of the family. And then you got, and then you got women's rights. No. Both of them Because she was taken from his flesh. Adam didn't look at her and say this was less than me. He didn't look at her and say this is more than me. He looked at her and said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She's equal to me. We are standing side by side. There's no difference. She was taken from my body. The devil is all about causing division. He's all about trying to tear us away from each other so that we can't build this glorious kingdom for God. But it's up to us to see past that and look to the unity, look to the things that draw us together. And though that is where we find God in the midst. Woman and man, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We're going to call her woman because she came from man. It wasn't, it wasn't this, well, she was a bone from my foot. She, was a, you know, she wasn't the bone from his head. She was from his side. She was right there, an equal, a co-partner. And that's always what God intended for woman to be. And that's always where she'll be, whether or not we try to mess it up. Man tries to mess it up. Women try to mess it up. We all mess it up. But in the end, God made this law in place for a reason. Every man should understand that, and every woman should understand that. Being beside your husband, even though he's the head of the household, doesn't it will never make him less because you'll always be bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. You'll always be equal. And then, in, and then the New Testament even becomes stronger because the two become one. We're one flesh. We're moving one mind, one accord. And that's really, that's really God's ultimate goal is for unity. Yeah. Good question. Who'll give me trouble with this one? 
<laughs> no, you're not going to get me in trouble with this one. Because this is what the Bible says. And we, sh- we should take this into consideration. The man is the head of the household. But that means so much more, especially from a man's point of view. Like, unfortunately, you've got a lot of responsibility coming up here. But the head is not just, you think about your head. It's not just the thing that, that tells your body what to do. That's not, that's, not, that's not what your head does. Your head has vision. It sees what's coming. It understands what's going to take place ahead of time. It hears warnings that it should hear. It tastes to tell whether or not something is good or bad for your body. It's, it's, it's responsibility at its highest. That's really what it is. Christ is the head of the church. It's the same thing. Christ was that with did, did Christ just have it easy being the head of the church? I think he was beat to death and crucified, if I get it right. But, and then and he also loved and maintained his church. He also helped his church. He did wonderful things. But at the same time, we also know that the church is full of the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. So the church isn't weak by any point or means. So we're not saying, okay, well, because Christ is the head, well, then the church is no good. That's not the, no, the church is very, where will we be without the church? Like, the church is very important. Even, even as a man, I'm the bride of Christ. So I better figure out what a bride is before, before I start treating it not like it should be treated. Because a bride is, is where we're all going to find ourselves one day. We're all going to be standing before Christ. We're going to be his chosen trophy wife. <laughs> That's what we're going to be to him. And so we, we better have a good understanding of that. So yes, the head, the head of the family. Why is that? Well, we just read why. Who was created? Who was created first? Man. What, was the, what did the man have to do before Eve came along? He took care of the garden. He named all the animals. He was already taking care of a lot of things on earth before a woman ever came around. So he had this responsibility on the shoulders to begin with. It wasn't that man took power. It wasn't like that. Man was already having to deal with this power. And thank God, he looked out and saw what we were struggling with and was like, you know what? I'm going to bless him with beautiful, pretty, amazing. And that will make him not think his job is so bad. <laughs> because I know any guy that's worked a job that they don't like, there's nothing like coming home to your wife at the end of the day. And you're like, good Lord, take all this other crap away. At least I got my baby. And that's that's the way God wanted us to live. So, you know, we see that also my God, there's man. Yes. And, there's woman. and we see what happens when we break that Right. We see that in the Bible a lot when we break that authority. And if we don't look at this as a partnership, you know, Dan said a little bit about how, you know, he's the authority and, you know, if I, if I can listen to him and I can obey him because he has the vision and I know that he's on God's authority. So this is a partnership, you know, we have to have God first and knowing that man is under him. My part is to unify with him to his direction, to his vision, knowing that he's heard from God. So this isn't anything that we're doing separate or fighting from each other. It, it has to be in order to work the way God wants it to work. And here's another very, very, very powerful point here too, is that 
sin changed everything. Everything. Because if we read right here, he's not calling him the head of the family at this point. He says, she's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's my co-equal, is what he's calling her. It's not until we get to sin that things start going crazy. Things start getting broken up. They're, they're, that's where God makes a head. That's where that's where God passes out punishments, and that's and it's not it's not it, it wasn't a good thing, but it, but it was a very big example for us why not to break God's commandments. Because when we break God's commandments, everything goes crazy in our life. It's, that's going to happen. So this explains why a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. See, I thought we were going to get to that later. We didn't have to. Moses knows what he's doing. He wrote this on point. Now the man and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. That means they were married. So.
Let God send you that spouse. Because when God sets it up, it's not going to fall apart. Yes. And that's how he did it in the beginning. That's how he still wants to do it now. My boys are 10 and 9. They are getting girl crazy. They're online trying to pick up girls. And, hey, girl. and I'm trying to get them to understand this concept right here. I'm like, boys, cut it. God will send you a woman when you need her. And, you know, and they're like, well. And, you know, and that's man's nature. Because even at 10, same as 20. I want, you know, I've got to get a wife. I'm like, figure something out. But God wants us to rely on him in every area of our life. Especially on big areas. Comes to get married. Especially in a world where we got divorce running rampant like we do nowadays. And that's why. Because we look at it like I chose her. Well, I'm just going to choose again. <laughs> oh, this was a bad choice. I'll just send it back to Amazon. I'll go pick another one. That's how, that's how we act in our lives. But that's not how God had it. That's not how God designed it. God designed it. Hey, Adam. What if Adam would have woke up and been like, God, you got the wrong rhythm. <laughs> I wanted a redhead. That was over here. What are you doing? <laughs> no. He didn't have that option. Because God made the plan. God chose. This is what I got for you. This is what I need for your life. I start picking everything I want. Right. I don't know what I need out of this. Yeah, and then it was very easy for Adam later to be like, hey, it was a woman you gave me and ate that apple. <laughs> I didn't pick the rib. I didn't pick the rib, God. You picked the rib. <laughs> but God knew. Hey, he followed her right along, didn't he? He followed her right into it. He took a bite right after it. This must have meant something to him. It's the truth because when God puts someone in your life, they're going to mean something to you. And it's going to be beautiful, just like it was in the beginning of time. <laughs> and all they did was hang out in the garden with the king. Keep, maintain the garden. How hard is it to maintain the garden? It didn't even rain, guys. So the water came up from the ground. And that's before all the weeds were coming up and choking things. It was still before sin. Right. Was like easy. Adam was chilling. Yeah. He was chilling. And sometimes in our life we find ourselves in the same situation. Fishermen that don't fish fight. When you get to work, you don't fight so much. That's why. What was the punishment? We're going to get into it. But what was the punishment God ends up hitting Adam with? Uh, you guys are getting into trouble. Will make you work. <laughs> I do the same thing with my boys. They're getting into trouble. Hey, Time to get to work. <laughs> my, oh, you guys got all this energy? Good. Clean your room. <laughs> you got all this energy to argue and fight? Good. Let's clean the house. Well, let's put it to good. And that's exactly what God did to Adam, too. But in the but in the original, Adam had it made. Adam had it made. The earth was good. There was no sin. We had the tree of life. All we had to do was maintain and believe. But it also goes to show us that if Adam couldn't get it right with one command, how much harder is it for us with a bookful? But God still had compassion on Adam. God still dealt with that. God still had a plan to redeem Adam. I believe Adam's going to be in heaven when we get there. I'm, I'm, I'm counting. I'm going to throw an apple at him. <laughs> Like, hey, you hungry? 
So what you done? <laughs> but God already had a plan of redemption in mind. And God does for every one of us still today, too. So even with Adam only having one problem and he failed, and we've got a book full of them and we fail every day. But God's in the business of restoring. He's in the business of, of remodeling individuals' lives. And we're, we're lucky enough to be in that work. And we get to see how he's going to work that in our lives. So I'm already past 6 o'clock. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm long-winded. God's dealing with me on this. But yes, we got through another chapter, guys. So just like I had planned. One chapter a week. We'll be done with the whole Bible in six years. <laughs> Any questions before we go? He's like, I'll be, I'll be just <laughs> Anybody else? Any input? Anything good to say? Oh, we're going to get into it. What? Uh, no, I didn't hear it. Go ahead, tell it again. Why the devil has to sneak and fall to get into the garden? Because he had, he knew he had no way to stand it on. <laughs> Very good, Brandon. We got to end it in a joke. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. But, but, we, hold up, hold up, hold up. Didn't he have legs first? And then he said, did you see him? Did you see him? I feel like we've lost all control of this Bible study. This you know why? Because the snake was originally a T-Rex. And then God took his legs and his arms. And then he became a serpent. And that explains dinosaurs. Now you guys understand the whole picture. <laughs> yes, we lost full control of this Bible study. So let's pray and close real quick before it gets wilder. <laughs> No, but dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Thank you for allowing us to spend time with you. Thank you for being a good God, creating humor in this world, Lord, so we can laugh and have a good time in your presence. We worship you, we love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen.